Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a podcast that has really gone to the dogs. That's right, the dog days of summer are over and no more of that hot dogging kind of podcasting that we used to do. It's time to just let sleeping dogs lie. Who let Honestly, the- man, I'm doggone tired of of all of this, all the work we've had to put into this. Who let the dogs out? We did, apparently. Did, did I contribute? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sure did. This is an episode about dogs, I guess. <laughs> of Did you know that song that we all found really delightful in the uh early two thousands was about how a club is full of unattractive women? Did yeah. you like like my high, my my middle school was like, Who let the dogs out? And it's like this club is full of really ugly ladies. I was in like 6th grade, 5th or 6th grade, and, like, our school got, like, an arts grant to have, like, dance teachers come in and teach stuff, and the dance teacher was very much like, yeah, bring in your own music, but not Who Let the Dogs Out. (laughs) That song is sexist. And we were all like, what's sexist? (laughs) And and the answer was you, because you're 6th grade boys. It was explained to us in detail by an aging hippie wearing a lot of quartz, uh... (laughs) How much that song was actually about, uh, like, ugly women in a club. Yeah. And as kids, we were like, this song has pictures of dogs. It has repetitive screaming. It has everything. This is the perfect music for our generation at this time. And it was just really gross and mean. Yeah, so this this Andy Griffith episode refers to actual, literal canines. We'll get into what the episode is later on, but it's called Dogs, 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 and it's one of the dumbest half hours of television <laughs> I have ever watched. My show notes have never been shorter. Like, I struggled to fill a page with things that happened in this episode of television. Uh, it is insane how much of this show is just dogs! I should have basically, every single time in the script, the all they wrote was, some dogs! I should have written that down. It's not even like the dogs do stuff. It's not even like the dogs are trained or anything. Like, they don't, like, bounce a ball or whatever. It's just dogs exist in this space, and there are gradually more and more dogs. <laughs> and I guess that's funny. It's like the uh, the Tribbles episode of Star Trek, except instead of Tribbles, it's some dogs. They They have too many dogs, and this is the issue. Uh, I know. I would say that it's not like that at all because in the Tribbles episode of Star Trek, these Tribbles play an active role in the plot of the story. Yeah, the the Tribbles are like the antagonist, whereas these dogs are just kind of ancillary to the plot. I think really, it's <laughs> yeah. just that this episode of television is basically like if I hung out in front of a movie theater and was just like, "Hey, y'all want to see some dogs? You want to come into this alley and see some dogs I got?" That's just this episode of TV. So yeah, this is All Dogs Go to Mayberry. Um, <laughs> and before we get into that, though, I want to tell a story about a different kind of animal. I love when you uh, tell stories about animals. I am a friend to most animals, and especially birds. Mm-hmm. And this is a bird story. Uh, I've been sitting on this for uh, like two months now, but trying to get a time to tell the story. So uh, a couple of months ago, 
I was called to go to an office to do a thing. What I was doing is not important. But what you need to know is that it's like 6 or 7 in the morning and I'm walking to downtown to this office. And I cut through Rittenhouse Square. And for non-Philadelphia listeners, Rittenhouse Square is uh, a park that's in kind of the ritzy neighborhood. It's like, it's the rich people park. Uh, And it's right in the middle of the city. There is no woods around. It's nothing but like Barnes and Nobles and like Sephora and Ulta Beauty shops as far as the eye can see. It's in the shopping district. Uh, And I walk down and I see this tennis ball sized lump of fuzz just cheeping around by my foot and i look down and i go is that a is that a quail <laughs> and it was it was a baby quail or really kind of like a teenage quail like not quite at maturity yet wandering around the park and i thought to myself that shouldn't be here but even though i i do have the bird madness uh and occasionally we'll take my binoculars out to look for birds. I don't know a whole lot about birds. Maybe we do get quail in, in Philadelphia. I've never seen one, but whatever. I thought and quail only happened where people where rich people were shooting guns. Like, I thought if there, if you were in a- Well, that's Rittenhouse. That is true. <laughs> a fun thing you guys might not know about our, our lovely city of Philadelphia is that stuffy old gentlemen regularly walk around the Rittenhouse area with double barrel shotguns and hunting caps. There's a fox hunt that happens uh, down Broad Street every year. Yeah, mm. it's the worst. It is. Uh, it, it's it's basically the Mummers Day Parade, but somehow sloppier. They have no idea if we're no making idea. this up or this not. This is all fucking getting cut. They don't even know what the fucking Mummers Day Parade is. No, we don't. They know what the Mummers Day Parade is because it was explained to us in the last episode. Mm-hmm. So I I go about my day, but meanwhile I'm just like wondering what was up with that. So I Google Quail Philadelphia question mark. And there is a Reddit thread, basically, of a bunch of people who have all seen the the Rittenhouse quail, uh, and everyone's asking the same questions that I am, like, is this supposed to be here? And if more than one person asks the question, is this supposed to be here, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> About anything, really. So, and Reddit being Reddit, there were a bunch of, like competing theories about how quail a quail could have gotten to this place uh the top one at the time i left work was uh that the french restaurant park across the street (laughs) probably had quail eggs somehow had gotten fertilized quail eggs instead of regular quail eggs gotten fertilized quail eggs uh that hatched during quarantine and then somebody like some chef woke like it was like, oh, well, looks like we're reopening the restaurant and opened up the kitchen. And there were like six baby quail <laughs> popping around. That is insane. And as, as delightful as that is, absolutely not. No. And then, he, and then he just said, I don't know what to do with these quail and just took them across the street. As delightful of an image as it is, no. Absolutely. <laughs> so many different ways would have had to, like, things would have had to have gone wrong in precisely the right order. For that situation to happen, and also for those birds to not die. I just want like, to dial in on the concept of a fancy French restaurant eating fertilized quail eggs. Like, yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, no, quail eggs, they're delicious. You know what makes them better? If something had come all over these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know that these eggs were jizzed on by a bird. I'm not sure you understand how 
bird mating works. But you know what? Let's move on from that. I barely understand how human mating works. I decide, because I am a friend to all birds, that I'm going to go back through Rittenhouse and see if I can find uh, the Rittenhouse quail and see if I can figure out, like, because I'm in a bird watching group. I know uh, bird people. I have taken (laughs) birds to refuges and and sanctuaries before. Again, I am a friend to all birds. Um, (laughs) And I get there the layers that get peeled back on us as people listen to this podcast like and each one weirder than the last and i get there and there's already a group of people uh like rummaging through some brushes crawling around in like the gardens and stuff and i walk over and i ask them hey are you looking for the quail and they say yeah we already found one of them and i go one of them <laughs> There were eight quail all together. <laughs> all in the same park? Yes. God. Yes, there were eight quail all in the same park. And like a fucking collection mission, right? They've, they've already gotten two of them to the box that is going to the refuge, this group of people. So I join this group of people, hopping over fences and, and digging through bushes and whatnot, and trying to peg like and corner baby quail. Right? And just chasing them around. You know what are fast as fuck, Dan? Quail? Baby quail. (laughs) They don't... Turns out, they're pretty good at not getting caught. I wish I could have been there, not to help you, but to blast Benny Hill music on a boombox. God, that sounds magnificent. You should have started a competing quail catch. Like, hey guys, we need to catch this quail, but those people are going to take it to a slaughterhouse. If you want the quail to go to a shelter, put them in my box uh, and then turn it into like a competitive sport. Just fucking Nickelodeon guts this whole thing. <laughs> exactly. But with but with living creatures. I, I mean, we were... I'm genuinely surprised that we didn't kill these birds because, like, some people were just like picking them up and just be like, "Uh, I got a plastic bag or I got a shopping bag that'll hold you for a minute or so, right?" Like, we, we are not professionals, to be clear. Uh, and I, I caught one, and you catch one, and you're, I'm just like, "Oh my god, I feel like I don't, I'm gonna break this thing." I caught one, I got the assist on another. Um, I'm, I am the Scotty Pippen of uh <laughs> of quail catching. And so for, like, literally 45 minutes chasing these quail around the park, and other people stop and they ask what you're doing, um, and there are some people watching, including, and this is the real hero of the story, right? Mm-hmm. This mail carrier. There is a big black dude sitting on a bench. Uh, he's wearing his U.S. Postal Service uniform, so clearly he got off a shift or whatever and is just chilling out in the park before he goes home, and he asked what we were looking for. Some people were like, did you lose a gerbil or something? And he explained it. Uh, and then these people on the benches kind of became spotters. So this, this dude is just like, oh, over there, over there. <laughs> nope, going left. Nope, heading that way. So he's just having a good old time, not leaving his bench. And two of us managed to, like, pinpoint it and hurdle it towards, this is the last bird, by the way. The last one, kind of, like, running towards this uh, mail carrier who, I'm going to tell you right now, just describe him. He's like, he was sitting down, so I couldn't tell how tall he was, but he was probably over six foot, you know, 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. And this dude, like, it comes towards him, and he reaches down with his giant paw of a hand, one-handed, not even getting up off the bench, just scoops this baby quail up in his hand and says, got him. 
<laughs> the fucking rules. Uh, the rest of us have been chasing these fuckers <laughs> for 45 minutes. This guy did not get off of the bench. You need to have a tranquil spirit that an animal won't be spooked goodbye. Like... <laughs> He's he's just he's just part of 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 the landscape to this quail. Like he has that deep stillness you require to tame an animal, and you guys are all frantic lunatics chasing quail. So there we go, U.S. Yeah. Postal Service. They're heroes. Uh, I I am gonna say I disagree with the thing that you all did because I think you deprived us all of an urge um, an urban legend about stray quail. I could be on a message board right now, being like. Hey, did anyone see a fucking, like, grown-up quail flying between the buildings? Or am I hallucinating wildly? So, I had that same thought, but, like, the chances of those birds lasting to adulthood in that park, not great. There's a lot of dogs that come through there. But the uh, one that survived... cats and whatnot. The one that survived would have gotten strong on cat meat and would have become <laughs> powerful and soared over us. Quails can fly, right? Yeah. No. Soared... Wait, No. I, like, like, kind of like chickens can fly. Ah, uh, better. Like, like, it would have become like this powerful velociraptor-like creature, just storming through the streets of Philadelphia, untamable, uh, rich on cat and dog meat. Uh, and and you deprived us of that. And I don't think I will ever forgive any of you. Uh, you 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 denied Philadelphia another weird thing uh, entry into its pantheon of strange bullshit. I have to explain to people when they visit. Uh, according to this website, quail can fly, but don't like to unless they are migrating. Okay. So, quail are lazy. Uh, on a on a uh, Philadelphia oddity thing, have you ever had to explain vent guy to anybody? Oh, vent guy! I had to explain vent guy to uh to to someone recently, and he is so difficult to describe. Oh no, I can I can describe vent guy with you like for you right now, like between. The months of, like, May and September, mm -hmm. around the city, you will just see Vent Guy. And Vent Guy is an old man, mm -hmm. usually wearing extremely baggy clothing. Yes. Sometimes his shirt is buttoned, sometimes it's not. Uh, and he just stands over vents, uh, like subway vents, and just lets it blow up into his nethers like, uh, like a hideous, unsexy, bizarro world Marilyn Monroe. Yes. And this is all this guy does. And, and everyone's seen this dude. Everyone's had encounters with this man and, at some point. And he has special spots that he goes to. He loves to go, like, uh, right... Yeah, yeah, 15th and Locust, right outside the Fox and Hound bar. That's one of his spots. Yep, he That's also, where I encounter him the most. Um, Yeah, no, but that's the thing is, like, because I explained it to people and they were like, oh, that's weird. There's a guy that stands in front of Vance. And I was like, no, 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 no. You need to understand... It is all day, every day, and I cannot describe the energy this man emits as he stands on top of a, a blowing vent. It is, it is a, a mixture of deep satisfaction and uh, sort of not seeming to understand what he's doing. Like, yeah, he, he always looks kind of like a cow chewing his cud. Yes. He's more like, like, maybe he is chewing on something. Sometimes I've seen him with an ice cream cone. Really? Uh, yeah. That makes it yeah. so much better. <laughs> yeah. So he's literally just standing there all summer just <laughs> while, while blowing out his balls. <laughs> I think he's like the, the he's the uh, Northeast equivalent of like a Chinese Zen master, like someone who has achieved intense personal calm through some sort of repetitive action 
Like, I think he is inside of his skull solving deep mysteries about the universe and not sharing them with us. We also have to describe his posture while he's doing this, which I can only describe as that of Gru from Despicable Me. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, to be clear, that that is what he is, is the pose that he is in whilst this is happening. The the clothes are always brightly colored. His yeah, arm, that's true. His arms are at his sides, completely limp, uh, and he is star- unless he's holding an ice cream cone. Unless he is holding an ice cream cone, and he is staring dead ahead into space. He does not look at you. If you look at him, he does not look back. He does not acknowledge anything that is happening around him. His baggy, sometimes cargo shorts are shorts are inflated like parachutes. He is one of the weirdest things I have ever seen. <laughs> and you have to understand, he's so ubiquitous that if anyone mentions Vent Guy, at least three other people in the city will go, Yeah, fucking Vent Guy, I saw him last week. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to someone from Jersey and they were like, Oh, have you ever, and they were like excited, they were like, have you ever met South Philly Jesus? And I was like, he's a fucking asshole. I uh, hate Philly Jesus. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um. Again, to, to explain local shit, we have a guy who dresses like Jesus and sometimes carries a, and, and sometimes carries a cross around and But the cross is on wheels. The yeah. The cross is on wheels, which defeats the purpose. And we were all like, that's really cool. And then he was like, gay people shouldn't have rights. And also, I'm going to do a bunch of ads for cheesesteak restaurants. Yeah, no, he he's a, he's a fucking asshole. I hate Philly Jesus. Yeah. Uh, 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 Philly Jesus has also shown up to, like, Black Lives Matter uh, protests. And never quite as an antagonist, but not helping the situation <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Is he just walking around being Jesus and doing his whole fucking shtick? Yes, actually. He's, like, like I've seen him, like, lecture black women and just be, like, uh, saying, like, blessed are the peacemakers uh. in front of shit. Like, uh, I'm surprised that man's not dead. So this is a very... So there you go, listeners. Uh, we're heading out of the season, so we wanted to get all of the Philly weirdness, <laughs> the Philly summer weirdness out in one episode. Hey, uh, Do you one think other thing. People yeah. believe us. Do you think? Because it sounds so much like we're lying. Like, all of this sounds so fucking made up. Like, like Philadelphia is fucking dirtbag Narnia. I mean, the thing. <laughs> The thing is, while I was telling, while we were telling these stories, we did insert at least one lie and just <laughs> and just rolled through it. Like, have we told you guys about uh, the pirate ship that just goes through downtown? Sometimes, like they they put a pirate ship on wheels, they just take it on South Street. It really holds up traffic. It's annoying, but you know, it's just part of life in the big city. It's, just, it's one of those things that we that you deal with. Philadelphia pirate <laughs> ship. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, eventually, uh, we'll tell the story of Philadelphia's sewer boy uh, <laughs> who reaches up through the vents to try to grab your shoes. So yeah, fun thing happened in the 1980s. A lot of Philadelphians flew down to Florida, bought bought alligators as babies as pets, brought them here. The alligators got too big, they flushed them down the toilet. Now we have a bunch <laughs> of alligators in our in the Philadelphia sewers. But then Philadelphians started crossbreeding with the alligators. They formed a race of alligator hybrids, and now sometimes they try to reach up from under the sewers to steal stuff. It's a whole and, thing. And those and those uh, alligator human hybrids. The starting lo- offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, they suck hey, ass this year. They're Fuck. so bad. They're so terrible. Fuck our team. Uh, uh, before we get into today's episode, I do want to uh, thank one of our listeners, Jack Maltos, uh, for giving us a little bit of information about something we talked about in the last episode. Uh, last episode, we just threw offhand the idea. We asked, like, did they have standardized testing 
would they have had standardized testing in Mayberry? So it turns out uh, standardized tests were first used in the 20s by public schools. The first SATs uh, were administered in 1926. Not only that, but this episode came out a year, or the episode we talked about last time, it came out only a year or two before the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, which was specifically drafted to help address school achievement gaps with federal funding. So... If there was an education gap in Mayberry, it's possible that they would be underfunded and they would only have the one teacher doing all this. And she would be probably very stressed out because Mayberry would probably be uh, underfunded as a rural school. And yeah. we would not have passed the federal act to correct that yet. So a little bit interesting context uh, for the previous episode. And I'm giving you that because there is nothing interesting <laughs> about this episode. <laughs> I think, do we just need to, when we uh, send this episode out, just attach a bunch of, like, Imgur links to, to pictures of dogs? Is that what we need to do? I think we just need to do, like, a tweet thread to accompany it of just, like, hey, while we're doing this episode, uh, pull up a, a picture of a dog every five minutes, uh, and and you'll get a pretty good simulation of what this episode is. You know what? I mean, you'd have a better experience, because I'm just going to straight out say it, and you can excommunicate me if you want, internet. The dogs of this episode aren't that cute. No. No, they're... They're not even, like, particularly special or cute dogs. They don't even, like... They don't linger. Like, the dogs don't do anything cute. Like, any any other show, they'd be like, oh, here's a shot of one of the dogs, like, curled up on the floor or playing or something. And all the dogs are doing is standing there barking. Like, they're, they're at the least cute an animal could possibly be. And the show is like, aren't you having a great time? So here's the episode. It is uh, season three, episode 30, Dogs, Dogs, Dogs. Originally airs April 22nd, 1963. Uh, written by Everett Greenbaum and Jim Fritzel. And directed by, 43 years old, still has a Boondock Saints poster on his bedroom door, Bob Sweeney. Describes sex as having a real knee shaker, Bob Sweeney. And here is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. A pack of stray dogs comes into the courthouse, causing problems just as a state official is visiting. Yep, yep. that is, uh... That is what happens. That is, the state official coming feels like the most tacked on urgency, because it's just what this show uses whenever they need, like, some sort of a deadline or crisis. They're like, someone from the state is coming to look at us, and if they don't find us good, something bad happens. And then this, like, Barney is just like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, the clock is ticking, state inspector, budget crisis, blah, blah, blah. dogs, back to the dogs. So we open up uh, on the jail and Andy is waking up Otis, who has been sleeping in uh, or sleeping off his drunk from last night. Uh, and Otis wakes up. He does this little bit about sugar, 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 blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, that's how my mouth feels. Shooby, shooby, shooby. Uh, to to give credit or credit to Hal Smith is a fucking incredible comedic actor. Yeah, Hal Smith is very good in this. Uh, so this scene calls upon him to uh, make a bunch of faces because he's drinking a very gross concoction that Andy gives him as a hangover cure, which to me kind of looks like it. I mean, it looks like just like a Bloody Mary. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's probably like a version Bloody Mary. So it's probably tomato juice. Uh. Uh, he puts in some Worcestershire sauce, uh, some 
some steak sauce. There's clearly a bottle of A1 steak sauce on there. Uh, <laughs> like that they cover that they took a marker and drew over A1 with. Um, have you ever done an insane hangover cure? Like one of the things where you crack an egg in a glass or something? I've never done that. One of my uh, old roommates from a few years ago gave me what they said was a hangover cure uh, that they got in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, it was like a pill and I like took it and I swallowed it and I, I it tasted exactly like an iodine tablet <laughs> that you use to purify water in, when you're camping. And it probably was that. Uh, and like, I remember exactly what my roommate told me, which was, yeah, I've got this weird uh, cure from Korea. You take this pill and you take it with like a giant glass of water and then you go take a nap and your hangover will be gone. Yeah, you know yeah. what you could you know what could also cure that hangover? The giant glass of water and the nap. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, none of the stuff ever works. Like I've always I've looked up in in a prolific career of mid 20s drinking. Uh many hangover cures and they always just come down to hey, drink some water and eat some bacon and you're you're fucking good. And every single time I've like this was a fucking lie. But yeah, so he give Andy gives him a hangover cure. He does like the only like really gross thing about it is that he does crack a raw egg into it, and Otis drinks it. And Hal Smith does some stuff. Yeah. His his eyes bug out of his head. He does like a little Tex Avery like steam shooting out. Uh, there's a, a sound effect that's like <laughs> he simultaneously does like the the howling wolf. Uh, uh, thing like and like three different cartoon things he sp- basically spins his skull around inside of his head uh i feel like whenever they need to pad an episode they just go to like hal smith and they're like hey hal smith can you do any weird stuff with his body and he was like i just figured out how to turn my head into the shape of an ice cream cone and they're like great we'll figure out a vague reason for you to do that you know, you know what the best way i can think to put what hal smith does Hal Smith was 1960s Chris Farley. Yeah. Like, that's that's the closest approximation I can make to what he does. Yeah. like Otis lives in a van down by the river. <laughs> R.I.P. Gone for that, but not forgotten. Uh, Man, can you think about what it's like to be Kevin James? <laughs> Just think about what it's like to be Kevin James for a second. Kevin James is hanging out on the set of Grown Ups 3 or whatever, looking around, Adam Sandler and Chris Rock and whatever. You know he's got to eat at him. He's just... He's, he's just got to be like, the only reason I'm here is that Farley's dead. <laughs> That's the only reason for, like, half of my career. I know this. Do you, do you think Kevin James, like, is, like, doing a scene and they're like, hey, hey, uh, Kevin, gr- great job. Do you think you could Farley it up a little bit? And he's like, no, that is not my deal. It's not my thing. No. I'm a I'm a big yelly guy, but I'm not a big falling guy. Although, although we did we did talk about this in the bonus episode, I would probably do anything to be one of Adam Sandler's guys. Yeah, uh, if you want to hear us more talk talk more about this, uh, we recently put up a episode, a bonus episode on Patreon, where you psychopaths made us watch The Master of Disguise, and you, I'm still I still haven't forgiven you. No, you you people broke my little brother. He never recovered from recording that. Uh, yeah, Hal Smith is, like, doing... He is definitely, by, like, miles and away the best comedic actor on this show. Yeah, like, 100%. Yeah. 
uh, at the expense of his body, which is destroyed. So Barney comes in, uh, and he's got the mail, uh, and he opens up the mail and he says, oh, look, the state investigator is gonna, is gonna answer my request. I requested more funding. And then there's, like, a pretty good bit of Barney and Otis just sniping at each other, like... <laughs> It's just screaming at each other, just like, you suck, you suck. <laughs> it's it's basically Barney is like, hey, we should make you pay for dinner. Uh, and Otis is like, don't you dare. I'll take my business elsewhere. Um, and uh, Barney accuses Otis of having a pickled liver. Uh, and Otis accuses Barney of having a pickled puss, which is a joke that has aged like fine wine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> was not that good when they first told it. Now it is a fucking barn burner. So that's it. It's just these guys yelling at each other. And yes, uh, Barney has put in the slightest bit of a plot. There is a state investigator. He's going to come and look into their office to see if he's going to approve or deny Barney's request for funds. Remember this, because we're not going to talk about it for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, make a note of it, kids. Uh, because the other part of the plot enters. It's Opie. He's got a small shitty dog. <laughs> yeah, just this small crappy dog. <laughs> they t they spent so little money on dogs in the dog episode. They were like, all right, so I think we get like one of those professional dog wranglers. They come in with a well-trained pet. And Andy Griffith was just like, nah, now nah, just just go down to the go down to the pound grab a couple of them we'll we'll leave them up back in the doorstep when we're done with them fuck that they're dogs yeah. and so yeah uh this is tiny scrappy little like terrier that is just constantly shaking almost vibrating the camera <laughs> opie's like look i found a dog the dog followed me i think he's hungry so they give the dog barney's lunch <laughs> Which is great. I like, I like how there are two separate bullet points on your uh, on your notes, Dan. You have Barney wines as one bullet point, and then the next bullet point is Barney is pissy. <laughs> yeah, you, you decided to make those two separate points, <laughs> and I'm glad you did. Because there's two unique phases. Because at first they're like, "Hey, Barney, uh, would you help feed this starving dog?" And Barney's like, "I don't." to feed a starving starving dog and then they're like okay well we're gonna take your lunch anyway and he's like i wanted that granola bar for later okay uh, hang on though like because they first off they give him barney's they give the dog barney's sandwich but then there's a moment where andy's like all right what else we got in here we got like some snacks a a Mr. Cookie Bar? I'm going to give him a Mr. Cookie Bar. And Barney's like, I wanted that Mr. <laughs> Cookie Bar. But also, I'm going to take a wild guess. Does the Mr. Cookie Bar have chocolate in it? Did you just <laughs> kill that dog? Don't give him the Mr. Cookie Bar. <laughs> they killed so many fucking dogs. Oh, yeah. We should really. Now is probably a time to um to elaborate uh, to our listeners. This isn't really an episode about dogs. This is more an episode about dog fatality numbers. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this is an episode about how fragile dog life is. It's it's like that thing uh, in a in an old TV show where someone's like, uh, Oh, let's uh this this sign says that this road will take us to the highway and then after they drive past uh a branch moves and it says closed underneath that. Uh this is like that except the sign says dogs and when the branch moves it says many of them die. <laughs> to be to be clear, to be clear, 
No dogs actually die in this episode. That we can but, confirm. But <laughs> the concept of dogs dying just lingers in the background. It lingers. Of, I think of it's all 22 minutes. The central conflict of this episode is are several dogs about to drown? Like, <laughs> there are eight conversations about dog mortality. <laughs> It's the central conceit of the episode. So, yeah, they they talk about maybe keeping the dog, uh, whatever. So, it starts off pretty standard, boy found a dog uh, yeah. storyline. I don't, my next note is Otis gives Barney shit. I do not even remember what it is. I think Barney, I Otis just peeks his head out of the jail. I was like, Barney, fuck your mother. <laughs> and then Barney's like, oh. They really have like a Alex Trebek, uh, Sean Connery celebrity <laughs> yeah. kind of relationship. Uh, More or less. It's perfect. Andy is amenable to the idea of keeping the dog. He tells Opie to go take the dog home and we'll figure it out from there. You know, which is normally the start of the you're getting a fucking dog episode. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what happens here. The next scene Obi runs up outside of the courthouse, and he says that the dog got away. He had the dog at home. He was getting ready to, like, tie, like get him a cage or something or tie him up or something, and the dog ran off. Yeah. And Andy says, oh, well, I guess he probably ran back to go be with his regular owner. And he opens up the door to the courthouse, and there is the same dog, and now there are three other dogs <laughs> of varying shapes and sizes. It's so dumb. Do, do they not close the back door to the jail? It is never explained how these dogs keep getting into this locked and closed building. A building that I'm, I should remind you is meant to be secure. <laughs> a building that you are meant to be in for a long time and unable to leave. Oh. Apparently just has holes the size of a fucking Aridel? Uh, yeah, like, if you were telling me, like, oh, hey, a bunch of dogs got into a building in town, I'd be like, oh, that's, that's kind of shitty. It'd be like, it was the county jail. I'd be like, that is terrible. Yeah, like, if you see a couple of dogs get into a CVS, you're like, well, dogs aren't supposed to be here, but also they have automatic doors that open up whenever any being walks past them. So I can see how that happened. Right? Yeah. Jail is not a CVS. <laughs> Literally, the one purpose of your building is to be impregnable. <laughs> there are so many jailbreak plots in this fucking show, and all the gangsters could have just been as like, alright, let's just put a bunch of, bunch of fucking dogs next to the jail, they'll take care of it. And they, they convince Otis, they beg Otis to take the dogs for the time being, because, again, there's a state inspector coming. Uh, and they're worried about the if, the impact that the dogs will have on the inspector. I don't know. So they yeah. beg Otis. They're like, Otis, can you take these dogs for right now? Uh, and Otis is like, my wife's going to kill me, but all right, whatever. <laughs> Fuck my wife. And he takes the dogs. Later on, uh, they're just kind of, it's just Barney and Andy kind of cleaning up around the shop. Uh, Barney is taking a list of all the things he wants to replace, including new cots, because Otis has worn this one out. Mm -hmm. Uh Otis comes back in, and he says automatically, like, hey, don't, don't blame me, I had the dogs, they were with me, uh, I was, he, he does the same story that, uh, Opie did, uh, real big on the tell-not-show of yeah. this, uh, because in order to show, like, this happening, they would have to train the dogs to do literally anything <laughs> on command. Or like, film a, film a single scene that is not in this location. 
Oh my god, it's, 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 this this entire episode takes place it's in a, the jail. It's a bottle episode, baby. No, we got ourselves a bottle episode. No, 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 it's not a bottle episode, because a bottle episode takes place, like, in real time, right? It, a right. Epi- but, yeah, it's, they only use, I'm sorry, was, was the rest of the set, like, booked? <laughs> Did they not check the conference call calendar on, like... They Andy's were, house set? They were uh, running tours through the town that day. They were like, fuck, we gotta get an episode out. Alright, what do we have? Five minutes of script? Okay, we can work with that. Do we have, um, twelve dogs? Alright, fellas, let's put an episode together. It's like a fucking office conference? Like, someone had to go knock on the door of the barbershop set and be like, hey, <laughs> sorry, I booked this set actually for four. It's 4.05 now. Can you wrap it up? You know, that stupid <laughs> shitty way that you gotta do things. Uh, hey, I am, well, the one thing about hopefully never having to go to an office ever again after all this is I will never have to go, hey, 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 just wanted hey. to uh, check in. Yeah, I, and, and you gotta, like, apologize, and you apologize for nothing, because they're the ones in the wrong, like, they're the ones who are breaking the contract. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, fucking, ah. That is, that voice, hey, is hey. the worst thing humans do. <laughs> On, like, a casual level. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we were not meant to do that. We used to be, like, hunter-gatherers that would kill mammoths for our food, and now I'm like... Hey, I noticed that the fridge is pretty full, and I need a place to put my lunch, so... Like, it is insane that we communicate to each other that way. If if you spoke to any of our ancestors in that voice, they would just kill you. (laughs) Yeah, immediately. And you would deserve it. Yeah, they would be like, you have shown your belly to me in a profound way. I did not, like... It's like, because it's like a mixture of, like, aggression and, uh, and extreme, like, submission. It, it's, the, it's the way that you gotta talk to get anything done because you know that you actually have zero power. Like, it, if they want to keep that conference room, what the fuck are you gonna do? It is, it's like the equivalent if, to bring it back to dogs, it's like if a dog came up to you, showed you its stomach, got on its back, and then growled at you. It is such a weird combination of actions. <laughs> hey! So, <laughs> hey. Uh, so, anyway, Otis comes in. He says that the dogs escaped. They're like, well, I don't know what we're going to do now. And then they open up the door, and now it's 11 dogs. Is this when all 11 dogs show up? Yeah. yeah. A, whole, a whole ton of dogs come in. They don't uh, do a rule of threes thing. They're just like, just get to it. Get all the fucking dogs in there. Yeah, it goes one, four, eleven. <laughs> Can you, I do have to say, Otis is like, hey, my wife is gonna hate this if I bring a bunch of fucking dogs here. And they're like, no, she won't. Can you imagine if your drunk husband that you already don't like rolled up and he was like, I have three dogs. I do not like any of them. Let them into the house. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like, what? You'd be like, the sheriff made me do it. Can I just say, 11 is the wrong amount of dogs for this joke to work, right? 11 is enough, just given the size of the space they have to go there, 11 dogs is enough that, like, you're like, alright, that's a fair amount of dogs, but it's not enough to be funny. Yeah! It's not enough that, like, like, because at no point in time do I think that the jail is completely overrun by dogs. This is a 20-dog joke, minimum. 
It's kind of like like they knock over Hal Smith and then that's it. Yeah. Like again, trouble with tribbles. Just keep the dogs coming, right? Just give me a sea of fucking dogs. And because at no point in time do I feel like the jail has been overrun by dogs. Like at no point in time do I feel like they couldn't do normal jailhouse operations with this amount of dogs. It yeah. would be <laughs> annoying and loud, but like I don't feel like these dogs are really disrupting the flow of work. It's it is a situation that I could be in in my normal life and just be mildly annoyed. Like, ah oh, man, there's too many dogs in here. You really want to, like, show the uh, importance of the situation. Give me, like, 20 dogs, right? I got to have, like, chihuahuas peeing on Andy's, yeah. like, notes. Like, show a dog, like, chewing up the law books or whatever. Have you have know. them drag Barney off. Like, uh, have the dogs do literally any dog thing. Yeah. Like, the last time you had an animal on this show, you put explosives in a goat. Like, <laughs> and now you're know gonna- that you're capable of this you now you're gonna cap it at 12 shitty dogs sorry 11 shitty not dogs? even a dozen dogs not even a, do- a dozen dogs I fucking hate this episode with their underwhelming amount of dogs <laughs> so opie showed up at some point in time during that conversation and is petting all of the dogs whatever is happy kids got all these dogs and otis suggests that they take him to the take the dogs to the dog pound uh, and Opie asks, like, well, what happened at the dog pound? Uh, Otis says, well, they're going to hold them there until they find their owners. And Opie asks, what happens if they don't find the owners? And without a second's <laughs> hesitation, Otis says, I think they gas them. <laughs> yeah, it's so gruesome. You know what I immediately imagined when he said that line? Is just a little boy, uh, like, with his, like, 1950s family just turning around and be like, Pop, is that what you did to Cracker Jack? And him just yeah. being like, come on! God damn it! What the fuck is your problem, the Andy Griffith show? And even Barney at this point is just like, come on, man! Are you kidding me? <laughs> it would be one thing if he was like, oh, well, you know, I think they put him down. He's like, oh, no, they put him in a chamber. It's so fucking grim. I... I did some research about this. I don't know if it, like, really matters, but, like, for context, please understand that, uh, at this point, 1963, we've had the Humane Society and the ASPCA. Those organizations have existed for almost a hundred years. Yeah. Right? It's not new, the idea of this. And... Yes, there were pounds, but, and this was one thing I found kind of interesting, it was more like the shifting of opinion, of public opinion about, like, a stray animal. Uh, A stray animal, early on, probably in the, like, 20s through the 40s, is seen as, like, a potential health concern. Yeah. And to some extent, it is still today. Like, if you see a stray dog, like, there is some level of health concern, but most of the time, Today, when you see a stray animal, you're like, oh, that is A, a potential pet for me, or B, somebody else's pet. Yeah. You know, that is here. That's because of a very specific, concentrated public opinion shift that happened right around this time, in the 50s to the 60s. Uh, That was when kind of there was a shifting of the purpose of pounds uh, from like a public health service to... I don't know what they are today, which is like humane societies and and, and shelters and and Mm -hmm. things like this. Uh, The idea that you could get uh, 
and that you could like charge money and charge adoption fees in order to fund your operations. Yeah. So this happens right around that time, and I'm I'm sure it also kind of lines up with the transference of people into suburbs and mm-hmm. to cities and away from rural areas because you know if you see a dog in a rural area that you don't recognize it's it's possible that's a wild dog yeah like it's possible it's possible maybe that rabies is way more of a concern right yeah and as that became less the case as people moved into you know cities and suburbs our public opinion around that changed so mayberry it's it's actually very strange to me how chill andy is about a pack of wild dogs like showing up i mean they, he, he knows like all right clearly these guys are all tame no one's biting no one's barking whatever but the idea that like the health thing doesn't even occur to him since yeah. he's like since he's a dude that grew up in the backwoods in the 1940s yeah you know, he's, andy andy taylor has definitely old yellered at least one dog in his life you oh 100 percent so the fact that it doesn't even get brought up, not that it would be very entertaining, but nothing about this is entertaining. The fact that it doesn't even get brought up as a concern I found very interesting. But yeah, that's what I found as far as like historical context for this was it was in the middle of like a public shift about what the purpose of a pound should be and what the per- and what response you should take when you find a stray animal. I but that like- was also as a result of us having like a hundred years of ASPCA and a hundred years of humane society. There's also in a couple of years, Lyndon, uh, after this, Lyndon B. Johnson signs uh, like an ethics and animals act, but that's mostly mm-hmm. about uh, how animals should be treated when they're used for research or like sold in pet shops and stuff. I feel like in Andy Griffith shows time doing an old yeller was like mandatory. <laughs> like it was something you were like, like, if you went to a bar, they'd be like, hey, this guy's never killed an animal he loves. Look at this bitch. Like, <laughs> like, oh, this guy's never shot at one of his dearest friends. Uh, in fact, right, we're about to get into season four, episode one. The next season of the episode, uh, Andy Griffith Show, is the closest that uh, the Andy Griffith Show gets to pulling an old yeller. Uh, we get we get Opie the Birdman uh, at the beginning of the next season. The plot of which is Opie accidentally kills a mama bird and has to raise the baby birds. Well, little Andy, you know, uh, I, I know I told you that your dog Rufus had rabies and needed to be put down. But in reality, I just didn't want to raise a bitch. So <laughs> here we are. Bury him. Is Great, that getting cool. cut? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> potentially. Where the hell are we on this? Um, when Opie says, you're not going to take him to the pound, are you, Pa? Andy's immediate response is to punt on first down. (laughs) 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 Just, hey, you want to go get some soda? (laughs) A pop? Let's go. And Barney's in there like, what are we going to do with the fucking dogs? And And he said, Barney, you deal with it. So Barney's. Barney's immediate response to this is, Dan, do you want to tell what Barney's, uh, like, plan is? He comes up, like, he does the, like, light bulb thing, like, ah, I've got an idea, and he takes the dogs out, and would you like to explain what Barney's plan is? Alright, so Barney loads all the dogs into the car, just drives off, they return, and uh, Barney comes back, and (laughs) he explains that his plan was to take all the dogs out to farmland and leave them in an empty field. <laughs> and, and Opie is 
horrified. As Barney- is everybody. <laughs> yeah. Barney Fife just sits there and is like, you know what will solve this problem? Animal abandonment. <laughs> yeah. And he's like. It's 1963 and that's not a felony yet. He specifically says, what do dogs love to do? Run around. So I left them in an empty field. I, you know, I, I bet, I bet that was, I didn't look up the act, but I bet that was also mentioned in the, like, uh, Care of Animals Act. I bet that's, that's why that, animal abandonment became a felony. Yeah. Like, he specifically says they were running around, they were having a great time, they were happy to be there. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, because they thought you were, ta- they didn't know you were leaving them there forever. Just uh, real psychopath shit. This yeah. Is one of the, like, the rest of this episode is about, Barney slowly coming to the conclusion that animals are living sentient beings. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's just him slowly realizing that, like, you have to care for the well-being of other creatures. Um, like, he specifically says, like, oh, well, the big dogs will take care of the little dogs. And it's like, you fucking eight-year-old. This isn't rescuers down under they don't have a dog society just some of them will fucking die and some won't (laughs) like yeah he's weaved this like intricate tale uh basically he's it's it's hard to tell if either a barney is too stupid to understand dog survival or b does not care and is lying to a child this is one of those times when i get more mad at andy than anything Mm -hmm. right Andy does not respond to this. He just uh, sits in his desk and allows Opie, his son, to continue having a conversation with this psychopath. Like, Andy's, like, refusal to respond to this with anything other than a swift beating. Like, he doesn't respond like, you did what? Yeah. He just kind of, well, you know what I'm going to say is probably going through Andy Griffith's head. Thank fucking God. <laughs> he was yeah, like, no. I had no exit strategy on this. Like, thank God this psychopath took all the heat off of me. I don't have to deal with the dogs anymore. I just have to be mad at Barney. Um, he, I, I I would even pause it. Maybe Andy left Barney alone with them on purpose. Ooh, knowing that yeah, Barney was going to do something fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Maybe this was yeah. his gambit. Um, And then it starts to thunder and lightning. Uh, which, I, I, boy, I really, I'm gonna make sure I get the clip in here. I gotta hunt this clip down. Yeah, so but, then, there is a prolonged monologue about dog death that is haunting. Oh, a dog can't get struck by lightning. You know why? Because he's, he's too close to the ground. See, lightning strikes tall things. Now, now, if they was giraffes out there in that field, well, then we'd be in trouble. <laughs> you sure don't have to worry about dogs. I'm worried about him, Pa. Well, oh, look, Ope, what were dogs a million years ago? Wild animals, right? Wolves, coyotes, they know how to hunt and fish and look for shelter. You take them two big Airedales. Why, they looked as healthy as horses to me. And the little spotted one, he was in fine shape. But the little one I first come in with, he was a trembler, wasn't he? Him? Oh, well, uh, the big ones will look after him. See, they they take care of their own. And uh, you know dogs have a way of, of keeping dry. You know that. I mean, you know, they, they're insulated, you see. And they've got this fur. 
And that, that keeps them cool in the summer and warm and dry in the winter. They're, they're really uh, set up a lot better than uh, human beings as far as that goes. As far as the little one goes, why, the, the big ones, uh, they'll take care of him. <laughs> You know, the little trembly one. And they're short, you see. Close to the ground. That way they, they can't get struck by lightning. Now, if they was giraffes, they'd have been hit by now. <laughs> but dogs are short. And they, they take care of their own. Giraffes don't. No, giraffe, giraffe, giraffes don't at all. Boy, giraffes are selfish. <laughs> they just run around looking after number one, getting hit by lightning. Yeah. the next four or five minutes, right? Is just, basically. Just Don Knotts explaining to a child. That lightning cannot kill dogs while his face gradually drops with the realization that he has just euthanized 11 dogs. And so his arguments uh, are that um, dogs are low to the ground, so they can't really be struck by lightning. Um, And the animals that would actually be uh, struck by lightning are giraffes. Um, And the interesting thing is... Lightning strikes on pets are virtually non-existent. They actually mostly happen to cats, but it does happen. But the biggest rule for how you keep a dog from getting struck by lightning is don't put it in an empty field. That's really the only context where dogs get struck by lightning is in empty fucking fields. Well, that's, that's I mean, that's the rule for literally anything. Like, yeah. Don't be, if there's a lightning storm, don't be in an empty field is kind of key. Also, uh, two giraffes were killed last year in Florida by lightning. Huh. Just, just fun fact. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, 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 so just to kind of imagine that of being in, uh, present when a giraffe gets struck by fucking lightning. A sight that, as grisly as that would be, I would give anything to see. And then, as you pointed out, he also points out that, uh... Like, the dogs will take care of each other. Because he says, dogs take care of their own. Giraffes don't. Yeah. Boy, giraffes are selfish. Out there looking out for number one. Getting struck by lightning. This is what this is what Barney is saying as he's slowly realizing he may have murdered 11 dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's talking about how giraffes are selfish and get struck by lightning. And uh, boy, let me tell you, the Mayberry fandom loves that giraffes are selfish line. And to be honest, it's a funny line. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually something uh, yeah, interesting that came up in my research. Marty, I'm going to drop that into the chat. Okay. Let's, let's see what we got going on here. Without reading the link. Oh, that's always that's always good. It's always good when someone tells you to look at something without reading what you're looking at first. Looking at chat. <laughs> a lightning strike <laughs> killed 32 reindeer. This is the No, sorry, ass- sorry Marty. 323 <laughs> reindeer. Oh my god. <laughs> 
This is the grisly aftermath. Oh my god, this is Why? just <laughs> Why this is just an image of a never-ending line of dead reindeer. This is an article by the Washington Post, Democracy Dies in the Darkness. Hey, do you guys want to see 300 dead reindeer? It was, we were like, lightning strike, dog death, and it was like, oh, Washington Post got you. Don't worry, baby, we got some statistics. You want to see a pile of of reindeer corpses? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <What>? 2016. <laughs> we, we were like... Yeah, we were actually trying to research this. We were like, do dogs actually get fucking struck by lightning? Is this a thing? And then this just popped up. I only see half the image because it's behind the Washington Post paywall. About to go ahead and sub- sign in as a subscriber so that I can see this pile of dead deer. <laughs> yeah, just a field of deer corpses. It's, in a way, beautiful. <laughs> Because it is like rolling, beautiful Norwegian hills covered in dead deer. <sighs> okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So where are we now? One I do want to read the first uh, the first paragraph of it. The oh, please, ma- go the ahead. Ma- <laughs> the macabre images released on Monday by the Norwegian Environmental Agency look like something out of a wildlife zombie apocalypse movie. Or the aftermath of a curved Game of Thrones battle. A treeless landscape dotted with hundreds upon hundreds of reindeer corpses. Alright, so that is some purple fucking prose. (laughs) Like, I'm not gonna fault this writer too much. Because when you are assigned the 323 (laughs) dead reindeer beat, like, you gotta do something to keep the nightmares at bay. And if it is fucking writing this shit... Yeah, like, like that. I would not have been able to do much better. Karen Broland went to like NYU for journalism, clawed her way all the way up from small town newspaper to small town newspaper. Got a job at the Washington Post, and they're like, "Karen, three hundred deer were struck by lightning. We need you to write three hundred words on it." Yeah, I don't. I, I, how much more of an article can you be like, yeah, a bunch of deer were struck by lightning. It's fucking weird. It's like, she was like, your article on gerrymandering will have to wait. These, these deer fatalities, these deer fatalities are urgent. Listen, listeners, have we gone on too long about the deer death? That's fine. Because we spent about half the time as this fucking giraffe monologue takes. Yeah. On, in the episode. <laughs> uh, I should point out, right? Like, you have written here, Ron Howard's facial expressions are really powerful. I disagree. Ron Howard basically, like, he is, he has the facial expression of someone who is getting dumber with every <laughs> second that he listens to another person talk. He is practically jaw-open drooling by the end of, of Barney's monologue. <laughs> I I registered it as portions of his soul, uh, portions of his soul dying forever. Just, oh, yep, that part of my heart is dead. Uh, oh, wait, no, he just said uh, something about giraffes being stuck, struck by lightning. Didn't know that was an innocence I had, but there it goes. Wee. I like that uh, the best case scenario here is that, like, Opie walks away with the knowledge that giraffes 
are just getting struck by lightning over in Africa all the time. <laughs> That's just it's, something that he walks away with. That is, that is honestly like an extremely relatable thing though when you're like trying to say something comforting and like be really soothing and suddenly you're talking about giraffe fatalities like it just gets away from you and you're suddenly saying something significantly worse i guess the concept of living creatures dawns on barney because he's like well i guess we're gonna go get those dogs let's go and everyone gets excited and they go out to the field to go get the dogs and hooray barney like came up with a solution to the problem he caused mm-hmm. anyway they return with the dogs who are surprisingly dry for having been in, and clean for having been in a rainstorm barney quotes shakespeare here for a second yeah he quotes portia from uh the merchant of venice and he does say the quality of mercy is not strained it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven i guess whatever i mean it doesn't the the quote doesn't really work in this context but the whole joke was just like barney said smart words whatever and then i'm just going to rush to the fucking end of this episode cuz the episode does yeah uh the inspector does show up right the inspector comes in he's looking around he's like uh you know what like I don't think you all need that much more money. You don't hold more than two prisoners at any given time, really. Uh, your cots seem fine. Whatever. Uh, and then all of the dogs run into the, uh, into the room because Opie was holding them in the other room, but that didn't work. And then all of a sudden the inspector's like, wow, look at all of these dogs. These are cool dogs. You could do some good hunting with these dogs. I love dogs so much. I'm immediately going to give you whatever money you want. Yeah, here's a blank check, which is fucking like low key horrifying. Like, oh, yeah, no, I've clearly established that you don't need any money. But because you showed me a dog, do you guys want a tank? Like, do you guys... Do you guys want, like, some automatic weapons? Like... You gotta know, at this point, Barney's in his brain is going, is that all it takes? Yeah. Barney's just gonna go to the Capitol with, like, a schnauzer and just be like, I want military-grade weaponry! Works out for the best, question mark? They immediately give all the dogs away. They, like, find people to adopt them all over town. And then enter, I think, a, a Hall of Famer character name, Clint Biggers! Uh, who comes in to claim his dogs. So this show came up with the name Clint Biggers, and they used that name for an, a character who is in one scene on this dog shit show, and they did not immediately create a separate television program called Clint Biggers Tiger Wrestler, or whatever the fuck he does. <laughs> I don't know. His name is Clint biggers you yeah. watch it so Clint, i mean he just opens up the door uh and well, he knocks on the door andy and barney open it up hello i'm a farmer i'm named clint biggers i heard you had 11 dogs i've been looking for them dogs all over the place them's my dogs my farm dogs where are my dogs at <laughs> <laughs> basically it. and and at no point in time is andy like 
man, you better fucking keep a better track of your dogs. Or at no point in time is he like, those dogs have been here for days. You yeah. don't get your fucking dogs back. Yeah, they were like, uh-oh, we sure did screw up and not like, hey, man, what's your fucking problem? Yeah. <laughs> like, one, why you have so many dogs? Two, how did all of your dogs get out simultaneously? And three, how can you're just now looking for your fucking dogs? Like, what's your fucking game? Instead, they're just like, well, this guy says these are his dogs, so I guess we won't look into that any further. Time to go get those dogs from the loving homes that we just placed them in. And take them to this deranged farmer uh, who clearly has no affection for them whatsoever. Uh, it's B- Clint Biggers, the shiftiest character to ever be on this show. There it is. Uh, special ratings this time. We've brought in We Rate Dogs. It's a dog rating guy. He's going to rate dogs. He's going to rate the episode. Hey, dog rating guy, what would you give this episode? Oh, 11 out of 10. Heckin' doggos would watch again. Uh, buy my merchandise. I'm a fucking marketing guy. <laughs> uh, can you? I, that is, I, I, do, I can't even hate that guy. Like, he came up with the best fucking racket. It's such a good, good scheme. Just imagine being, like, everyone's like... Oh, yeah, I'm a doctor. Oh, yeah, I'm a lawyer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you pieces of shit? I say the word heckin' and doggo, and people throw money at me. You assholes. (laughs) I find pictures of good dogs, and then I put them on a Twitter account, and then somehow I make a living. We live in a stupid time. Alright, so, actual ratings. Andy Meter, this episode sucks. Yeah. It is garbage yeah again i hope you guys were all scrolling through pictures of dogs the entire time you watched this because otherwise i am sorry i just uh it's it's like a one i don't fucking care yeah i'm like two because there were some dogs there were there was i guess yeah yeah a one whatever uh and um okay the barney meter on this this one's gonna be tricky um because uh, animal cruelty, right? Some yeah. animal cruelty there. They don't follow through on the animal cruelty, but uh, they sure do play with that gun. I mean, those those dogs are left in the middle of a field during a thunderstorm for undisclosed amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Those at, dogs are unattended for a while. At least the duration of a car ride. Yeah. A car ride and one haunting monologue. Barney leaves them. He drives back to the jailhouse. And then question mark amount of time happens. And before Annie and, and Opie show up, then that horrible monologue takes 20 minutes. Yeah. And then they drive back to the dogs. And assuming that the dogs are just there when at the spot where he left them, like that he didn't have to chase them around or look for them or anything. Yeah. So at least that much time has passed. So I think our minimal figure where dogs were left abandoned in a field is like an hour, and the minimum amount of time that they were at risk of getting struck by lightning is like 20 40 minute. minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah. It, it really, and that's assuming that the, the, the field is like, is like 10 minutes away. But he drove them out into the boondocks, so those dogs were probably at risk of getting struck by lightning for like 45 minutes. Um, and you know what? I'm going to take a, a brave stance here. I think the amount of time that dogs should be at risk for getting killed by lightning, zero minutes per day. I think 
Yeah. Uh, Breaking Mayberry's gonna go on record here as being anti-dogs being struck by lightning. We are very much against that. We are against, and we we cannot stress this enough, the electrocution of dogs. We are not fans. You, like, there are no scenarios in which we think that that's a good idea. We do not condone the electrocution of animals by natural or other means. Please like, do not come at us about this on Twitter. We will not fold on this stance. You're going to be like, well, what if the dog is mugging someone? No. What if the dog could say the N-word? What then? You know? <laughs> yeah. Still no. Still, Still no. no. Still no. Not a fan. Not a no. fan. It's like, what if I think it'll give the dog superpowers? No. It I won't. Don't, maybe it will, but it's not worth that risk. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Do not strike dogs with electricity and lightning. It will go badly. Oh, God. I really hope that this just has not been, like, massively upsetting to dog owners. (laughs) We we were like, hey, this episode is fucked up for talking about dog death, and then we proceeded to talk about that much more. We might be flying too close to the sun here, because we got big laughs when we dedicated, like, 20 minutes to horse death. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, you may we may have to create a B-roll of just like the 24 minutes that you edit out of us just saying uh talking about animal fatalities. So anyway, uh Barney meter. Shit, man. I don't know. Um This one's tough. It's the Barney meter has become almost meaningless. Um 6 8. I don't know. Yeah, fine. fine. Yeah. We I get we we need to create a second fucking Barney meter for like how, how, like, uh... How, how like, upset it made us. Yeah, like, how upsetting is this episode, and how actually bad is this episode? Because how abso- actually bad this episode is probably, like, a two. Like, it doesn't yeah, advocate I, I, for anything bad. I just heard the word gassing dogs, and I was like, well, don't like that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's not, I don't think anyone adopted weird, uh, like, pro-animal electrocution stances from this. But at the same time, man, it's just, it's just shit. It's just shit all around. Yeah. Uh, fuck this TV show. So there it is. Uh, the dumbest half hour of TV I've ever sat through. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs! I think we're done here. As always, if you want to get at us online, we are on the internet uh, at, at, on Twitter at Break Mayberry. Uh, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Uh, Instagram.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That is S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. I've been in a self-imposed Twitter hiatus uh, for about a week, and I'm, I'm doing okay right now, but I logged in to check my notifications, and like 12 people were telling me that there's a new Mark Trail artist. And guess what? Mark Trail is sexy now. Mark Trail's hot now. Yeah. Hot himbo Mark Trail. As he uh, was always meant to be. I guess uh, that's pretty much it. If you want to support us with money, patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry, like we mentioned earlier, uh, we have a new bonus episode about uh, Dana Carvey's The Master of Disguise. It is very long, and it broke us. It was very painful for us. Wait, do you do rate, review, subscribe, and all that shit? Or- yeah, do all of that stuff. Rate, review, subscribe. Man, I don't care. I'm tired. <laughs> all right. Talk to you later. All right. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Oh, 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 oh,